0: Salutations and welcome to the James and Tom Do Horror Podcast, a podcast where two horror obsessed filmmakers choose a different subgenre each show and pick their favorite old movie, favorite contemporary movie, and favorite obscure movie from that subgenre. I'm Jimmy P of Mad Science Films, filmmaker and sexual astronaut, and I'm joined by my co host, Tom Hughes from Ritual Video. And so, this episode, uh, it was my choice of subgenre, and I chose the Jallo subgenre. So,. Big fan of the, the subgenre, absolutely love it, really excited too. Last episode we were talking about Christmas horrors, which kind of neatly segued into this subgenre. Tom, what's your experience with the Giallo subgenre? It was something that I kind of didn't know about for ages and
1: skirted around. I, I'd kind of seen Suspiria, maybe I'd seen I don't know, maybe I'd seen Torso, the Sergio Martino film. I hadn't seen I hadn't seen a huge amount of Italian stuff. And then I got into Faultry, I think, when I was I don't know in my teens I guess I got into a real I saw I saw zombie and then I kind of went back through everything and kind of ended up with like New York Ripper and Murder Rock and all the slightly more obscure stuff and uh, yeah I think from there then maybe I watched what was that uh, Don't Torture a Duckling he did didn't it so yeah. I, maybe I saw that and that was my way in and then once I got into it I, I, you know, I just fell into the rabbit hole then, like everyone does with Jalo, I think, because once you watch a few and you get the style and you get the music and the like the way it looks and the fashion and everything. You're like, oh, this is great, man. It's got so much more style than modern films. That's why I love it.
0: Oh, definitely, man, definitely. I mean, for me, yeah, I think you've hit it on the head. It's the visuals yeah. of it that really cemented my love for it. I, like, in, in my head, it kind of feels like the Italian colour version of those film noir movies Yeah, because you've got, like, the you know the mystery plot elements. Um, but obviously, you know, they kind of pushed it to another level with the, the color aspect, with the, the camera moves, and they were upping the gore and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's always been a really nice mix between kind of like hard-boiled film noir mystery, um, the horror elements and then just yeah all coated in in amazing visuals which yeah i i, I think similar similar kind of place with you i, I started with argento mm. went back and discovered bava and then just went on a trip to find as much stuff as i could find yeah um yeah and i think as we're both filmmakers as well we really appreciate you know any time anybody spends uh you know as much effort as they can making their film look as gorgeous as they possibly can as well
1: that's the amazing thing is really what you're watching is really classic filmmaking it's like watching an old 50s or 60s film but with the extra ingredient of like sleaziness which i really love so they've they've taken the b-movie horror style stuff and added that into what is a really classy story the murder mystery and the way it's shot really classy the locations all the people are beautiful like they're they're almost like fashion adverts the way they look and they're presented and everything I mean but then they add this really kind of kind of grimy sleazy undercurrent that's a bit a bit sexual and a bit violent and a bit like exploitative at places and it's just this really great mix isn't it of uh, so what things. kind
0: of, what, what kind of age were you when you found the, the Jello films was, for the first time?
1: I think I was probably maybe 20, 19, 20, maybe a little bit older. I think I kind of must have gotten in, got in through zombie stuff when I was 14, 15. And then, uh, yeah, got into slashers and everything. And then from slashers maybe got into it. I think I'd read some stuff on... Uh, Cause I, Cause, I at the time then I would have been like, okay, so Halloween's the first slasher film or whatever, and then when you start reading stuff online, you're like, oh, what's what's Bay of Blood? Why do they keep talking about that? Like, what what's Blood and Black Lace? So then you go back and look, isn't it? And then
0: yeah, and I think at the time it was almost easier to read about it than it was to actually find these films. It was hard films. to
1: find. Shameless were doing
0: yeah, like shameless not, gr- did not a great not great copies stuff, either. But they
1: were always yeah, kind of patchy DVD things or like cut versions of Vipco things like. Even like like bloody Moon the Jess Franco films like that was really hard to find uncut for ages. I watched it on the only Time I found it was on YouTube uncut actually because I bought the DVD and they'd cut they'd cut the hell out of it.
0: Yeah, no, I was exactly the same man. I think yeah, VIPCO was the first way I discovered. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of the Jallo stuff. Um, I think yeah, it would have been one of the Argentos. Um, I can't remember which one they put out. But I, I kind of yeah tracked them all down there, man, and just kind of watched them back to back. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so moving on to our picks because what you said links really nicely. So my old pick mm-hmm. is 1964's Blood and Black Lace directed by Mario Bava. Like you said, man, it's set in the fashion world. So there's this great sleazy cutthroat element where all these models and designers are just absolute bitches to each other, <laughs> uh, backstabbing, cutthroat. Um, and stylistically, for me, this is where the Jallo films began, the the subgenre. So Bava, he, int- he kind of created the, the subgenre overall in an earlier film called The Girl Who Knew Too Much. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But that's very much the plot, you know, in terms of the setup and everything like that. But visually, I think this is the film that inspired everything that came afterwards with its frame composition, its lighting, camera movement you know right down to lens choices production design and everything like that um when we now think of jalo films it's it's all laid out in that initial initial film blood and black lace for me um you know you've got you've got so many of the images the mask killer the black uh, gloves
1: the the exactly you know
0: yeah Yeah, and what i love is obviously this is the first time it's kind of setting this stuff up but you know the the mask this like you know like white sheet looks so much oh, pulled tight over his face looks so much like the mannequins yeah. that you know you see through the film um, you know like um, the cat and mouse chase of the film again all of these kind of things just inform the rest of the sub genre for years to come yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah I I don't think it can be overstated even like as early as it is back in 1964 you watch it today and it's still visually stunning. And there are so many tricks um, that he kind of invented and created there with camera movements, mm-hmm. split lens, you know, like a lot of the yeah, split lens yeah. choices and stuff like that. I watch it now and, you know, I kind of like, wow, we're, we're, people are still kind of ripping off this film. Yeah. What, what are we talking about? Like 60 years later, yeah. which is mental for me. So Blood and Black Lace. Tom, have you seen this film?
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of my favourite films. Like uh, I, I probably... Uh, I saw it yeah maybe around that time that I was getting into things like early early 20s and it blew my mind like if, if you don't watch the title sequence and are completely in love with it by the time the end of the titles happen then maybe it's not the film for you because the title sequence is literally one of the most beautiful title sequences I've ever seen like the amount of care that goes into lighting just like still still portrait essentially of the characters in the
0: yeah titles yeah it's fantastic it's fantastic and it and it mirrors them with mannequins so again yeah. this is this is a criticism of of Charlie films all the way through it's style over substance yeah. but with this one the style is the substance mm. you know so yeah as you say they're posed like mannequins like any other film you just have black screen title cards yeah, pop up yeah. and then boom you're into the film but as you say like the amount of time and care put into this stunning the
1: colors so are stunning. all complementary to each other like even the moving light like the moving like if you watch the new Blade Runner that Deacons did like the way he's moving light in the hallways that they move through when they're in Jared Leto's place mm. is the same thing that Barber was doing in Blood and Black Lace like there are so many rooms they're rooms that you've seen And then he relights them in darkness and just has light move through them and it makes them completely different. And he's creating these lovely little patches of light for people to hit. And how the actors in Barber's films hit their marks is beyond me because they're hitting four lighting marks in every move they're doing and they're turning um, to get their faces lit like perfectly. It's amazing. From a technical perspective, Barber is amazing focus
0: as well. Definitely. He's amazing. So, Tom, what have you got for us for your old pick?
1: So, my old pick is Sergio Martino after mentioning Torso earlier, but it's not Torso, it's all the colours of the dark.
0: Nice. Because okay, it's yeah. kind
1: of his most psychedelic. So, he yeah. did a few jalos around that time, didn't he? He did. What did yeah. He... I can't remember what else he did.
0: Yeah, definitely Torso, um, which <laughs> yeah. a lot of people say is kind of like the proto slasher as well. I love Torso. So it's Torso. one of those ones which is like, um, like fun fact, I I did an amazing interview with uh, Dr. Michael Coven for the Arrow, the US Arrow release of Torso. Um, and basically, although I think it was cut down to a half hour thing, we, we, like, the uncut version of that is like a two hour chat, which we had all about Torso um, and its place in the, uh, yeah. Jallo subgenre and how it basically helped create the, the slasher subgenre yeah so, yeah, yeah.
1: Pick, pick. and then he took it further with all the colors of the dark and made mm-hmm. this really cool it always reminds me of the norman warren satan's slave if yeah really, i can see that. that's really english obviously but um yeah it's kind of a similar plot and a similar is it real is it not real thing going on but um yeah amazing amazing look to it a lot of psychedelic stuff a lot of prism lenses and twirling cameras and l- like the way it's shot is amazing there's a lot of um, really classic camera moves where they track with people but then they'll whip pan into something else when they see something and uh, it's it's got the name is really hard to say it's Edward Fennec I think it is maybe. I'm glad you said it first mate because um, I would have
0: struggled too. yeah so it's
1: got her and it, she's she's obviously amazing really beautiful woman and and she was a bit of a jalo queen for a bit she's a few of Martino's films because she was married to his brother, Luciano. So Luciano was producing all his stuff at the time, which is why he's always producer. Luciano Martino's is always the producer. She married him, and then she did, um, yeah. Your vices of the lock room and only I have the key. Oh no, your what was it? it was a strange vice, Mrs. Ward. Your voice of lock room and the key, case the sc- case the scorpion's tail and all the colors of the dark um but yes it's it's a really amazing film it's another one that has a really distinct 70s style the music is super 70s i think it might be stelvio cipriani that did the sound uh the soundtrack um but it still stands up now as like a a really like interesting film to try and work out what's going on and well do you know the name of the guy with the really piercing blue eyes he's in loads of gel- what
0: what's his name he's a in- Oh, it's... is it Ivan Rasimov? Yeah,
1: it's Ivan. Ivan Rasimov is in it. He's, he's this amazing-looking, like really chiseled-looking dude with these piercing eyes. And they—I don't know if he had contacts in for this film, but his eyes are like bright blue in this film. And they—they they light across them a lot and do slow pull-ins on them when he's like hypnotizing people and things. It's really cool.
0: I hadn't seen it for a few years, but when you told me, you know, uh, that you were gonna pick it, I rewatched it the other day. Absolutely love it. I love that seventies occult. Colts kind of thing going on uh you know it was it was definitely that period of time you know post rosemary's baby all that kind of stuff so it was brilliant i mean it's set in in england it's very italian though um i love all the almost you know like 10 years too late for the swinging 60s but that kind of vibe still yeah. um there's a yeah, lot brilliant. of
1: turtlenecks and i think maybe some women get backhanded in it that's <laughs> there's yeah, quite a bit of that backhanded woman across her face in Italian jallows. That's the only thing.
0: <laughs> is, there's a fair bit of that, and usually it's in inverted commas, guys, for their own good. Because they're hysterical, so,
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man. But, but
0: yeah, no, it was so much fun rewatching, dude. So yeah, good film It's a good super
1: pick. stylish film. That's the main thing I love about Jallos is how much style they've got. Like every camera movement, they're not just going to do a slow creep the way you would these days. They're going to do a fast you know crazy fast kind of thought zoom in on somebody's eyes and yeah, all the sound the design zooms, is really yeah. crazy and the music is so ott and amazing what i think one of my favorite things about all the colors of the dark and Jalous in general is not is not necessarily the horror stuff or the really crazy stuff or the pumping soundtracks like the goblin style driving bass soundtracks it's the pleasant day moment when they have like (laughs) really twinkly, beautiful, upbeat piano music. It's a bit like lounge jazz. And it's just like two women talking in a park or whatever, having a stroll or someone's out shopping. And I love how cheesy, they always seem to do that. Oh, we need to make it a bit lighthearted now. They do this really happy moment where it's really twinkly and lovely. I love that shit, man.
0: It's a great choice. And I think, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head because it's got that occult thing. He's able to kind of go a bit more psychedelic with it, yeah. um, which, you know, I think, you know, that follows her, you know, like uh, slowly going crazy, slowly going insane things. So it's like what what's real, what's not is what she's seeing and what obviously we as the audience are seeing, is that actually happening or is it all in her head? Which is a great trick and yeah, Martino gets great mileage out of it. There's, um, there's a shot
1: in it where she's just looking in a mirror and the mirror wraps. It's, it's ahead of her and it also wraps around the side and I think there's three or four versions of her um, split by these mirrors and each version is slightly distorted and she's just looking at herself in a mirror but that that to me is one of the like strongest Jalo images just because and also, like, with the theme of the film as well, isn't it? That she, she doesn't know who, who she's looking at or what's going on or what's real or whatever. Like, that's what's amazing about people like Martino. And they don't get enough credit for it. Like, I suppose after that, then he was doing stuff like 2019 after the fall in New York, which is, like, super cheesy, awesome B-movie stuff.
0: So moving on to the new picks. Uh, my new pick is from 2009, Amir, uh, directed by Helene Cattet and Bruno Forzani. So, I saw this way back when in uh, 2010 at Abattoir, the uh, horror film festival in Aberystwyth. Definitely my film of of that year at the festival. Um, Really funny thing about the screening was uh, the distributor sent a copy of the film without subtitles, but very early on, you realise there's only about two or three lines of dialogue, so you can kind of get away with it. Um, and because it is so confident in its visual storytelling, you don't need it. You know, it, it's doing everything it needs to do with the picture. Um, technically, maybe not a giallo, as it's not based in Italian, but it's definitely a love letter to the genre. Um, yeah, Tom, have you have you seen this? I film? love
1: these guys, man. Catet and Forzani are amazing. I, yeah. I'd I'd seen I'd seen this one. I went back and watched the Yellow Room. Uh, the short they did, which is the just shorts. one person yeah. in a room, which is amazing. Really, really great. Um, yeah, pretty much everything they've done, I've really, really loved. I think maybe yeah. uh, Anna was the first one I saw.
0: It, there's like three sequences. So, really, it's kind of like an anthology film, but following the same character. Uh, yeah. So, it's her as a, a, as a small girl, her yeah. as a teenage girl, and then her as an adult woman. Um, and, you know, each one kind of follows a different type of Jalo, so like the the first one is very bava uh it's i'd cool say that the, creepy,
1: s- the first one yeah it pretty creepy.
0: The, the second one feels very much like uh don't Torture a duckling you know it's got that rural Jalo feel which was quite rare you know very very often you know most jallos are set in a city you know where crazy stuff sleazy stuff does happen but occasionally you'd get these jallos set in the rural things and then i i'd say that the final sequence felt to me very much like argento Um, very much bridging that uh, Bird with a Crystal Plumage meets Suspiria kind of vibes as well. Um, Absolutely loved it. I binge-watched this so many times in preparation for doing Silent Night Bloody Night because, you know, for me, that was the easiest way to kind of get concentrated, jello vibes and kind of, like, I was making so many notes on that film. To to, to basically rip off because, you know... (laughs) (laughs) I wanted our Christmas slasher to be a Christmas jello, so that's that's kind of what we what we uh, what we did, but um, yeah, it was it was such a divisive film. Like I came out of that screening at Abattoir, and I turned around and I went. Oh man, wasn't that awesome? And literally it was split down the middle. Yeah. Other people really dug it <clears throat> and people were like, no, that was pretentious shit.
1: Yeah, people it was... just think it's super boring. I've showed it to people and they've been like, this is so fucking boring. Nothing happens. It's just close-ups of eyes and lips. i like, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> you just got <laughs> Yeah. I've
0: I've I've managed out like out of the three films I've seen, two of the three I've managed to see on a big screen. And for me, that's definitely the best way to watch it is just let the images wash over you and you get caught up in it. I love all three of their films, but I'm always gutted that I never got to see... What was the name of the The new one. Well, the the third one, the newest, I think. Let the Corpses Town. That's the one. I'm gutted.
1: I'm pretty sure it's on Shudder.
0: Uh, it was on Prime Video, but yeah, I, it's one of the it's films good, I man. really wish, yeah, I loved it, loved it, but I really wish I'd seen it on the big screen, yeah. because I think, again, that would have been it's epic. It's cool how Let like, the
1: Corpse's Town has got a lot more plot than the other stuff they've done. It's the one yeah. with the most story, but they're still doing kind of psychedelic cool stuff.
0: Yeah, I'd say it's probably the least pretentious in Yeah, it's in a the way. least
1: arty of all the...
0: Uh, but yeah, yeah. And, and then th- for me, that follows more of the, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this, the Polichetti, you know, like oh, the, yeah. the police movies yeah, rather yeah. than Jallo. But there's still very strong Jallo vibes. You know? It reminds a, me a lot.
1: What blows my mind about these, all the films they've done is the sound design. So, so it's, it's a, I watched their films to rip off as well when I did uh, A Date with Death the short the jello short thing i made last year and the you know they'll have the sound of leather gro- leather gloves cracking over a knuckle and they'll put someone's breath in on the shot of someone's mouth and like the sound design is amazing i love it when they build up kind of an ambient thing going on and then they'll do these quick cuts with quick bits of sound in just to jolt you out of whatever place they're putting you in. That's what they're really amazing at. If if you have to go, I think you have to go in and watch their films with with the idea that you're just going to sit back and just go on this ride for an hour and a half. And if you kind of turn your brain off and just enjoy the visuals and the sound of it, you end up with this really cool experience because they take you on this roller coaster just with sound and visuals. It's literally pure filmmaking, isn't it?
0: Do you, do you know what I think would work really well? Obviously, if you can't watch it in a cinema. I would love to see it like almost on a VR experience That'd where you've you know, got these goggles and stuff. Because, yeah, as you said, the sound design is so important. So it's good. so immersive um, that, yeah, you know, being able to just, just be locked into the world of yeah. that would be fantastic, man. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, dude. So speaking, speaking of have sound you got, design. Yep, yeah, what's your I'll new have pick?
1: i a Okay, so, yeah, so sound <laughs> design... <laughs> Uh, My new new pick is Barbarian Sound Studio by Peter Strickland. I love Peter Strickland's stuff similar to Catet and Forzani like everything he does is a modern giallo. The way he shoots, the lenses he's using, the camera moves he's doing, the really cool stylish music he's putting over everything, the settings everything is literally super classy slightly sleazy Italian cinema from the 70s but it's Amazing that he's getting these projects made for you know decent amounts of money in kind of the UK. Um, thankfully, like people like Film 4 or whatever are putting money behind him so he can actually make the stuff. But Barbarian was it wasn't the first feature he did, I think it was the first feature that kind of got out there a bit more, wasn't it? He did, I think he did, he did, he did a film called Catalan Varga which was possibly shot in Romania, I want to say. I, it's on Mubi, you can watch it in the UK. It came on there last week, I think. I watched it for the first time last week. It's it's really good. It's it's more of kind of like a rural drama than anything else, but it's still a really good film. But then Barbarian is where I think he really took that 70s Jallo influence and just turned it up to 11, but in the middle of it is Toby Jones playing a really very british very reserved quiet man who just wants to go to work and then get do his job and is really struggling with the job he's doing so it's it's about a a sound designer going to italy to sound design uh a kind of a period folk horror film um in italy but he didn't know what kind of film he's working on and when he gets there It's, it's about torture and there's a lot of uh Snapping salary and <laughs> burnt like pulling out uh, clumps of hair and burning witches and horrible things. He has to sound design that he wasn't quite prepared for. And he spends this time, I love
0: the I love the line, dude, because because he does nature films back home. Oh, yeah, and yeah. so when he gets the letter, he's like, Oh, I didn't realize it was this kind of film. It, it said it was the equestrian vortex, I thought it was about horses. Yeah, and yeah. It was just like, yeah. <laughs> You could imagine that actually happening because, of course, yeah, you know, like post um. Post Argento with you know like all of his like horror animal theme animal titled films mm-hmm. you know you got four uh, four flies on grey velvet you've got a uh, bird with a crystal plumage cat of nine tails yeah you yeah. can imagine that mix up kind of happening yeah, and I absolutely yeah. love that fish out of water thing where you've got yeah the most British of all people. <laughs> in this like very it's very italian yeah. location yeah. setting with all these people people yeah.
1: keep kissing him on the cheek and he looks really uncomfortable and everyone's telling <laughs> him to relax all the time and he's worried about money and getting his flight ticket reimbursed and all that kind of british stuff but as as a film is not is very much not a British film it's a very Italian film it feels Italian. It's nice for film nerds and sound nerds because all the gear is really old and you've seen a lot of sound design and they're recording on tape on a reel to-reel which is cool. Um, and you're seeing people do kind of foley work and uh, ADR work and all this kind of interesting stuff for nerds who like films um, <laughs> but the film actually ends up being quite a, a quite a psychedelic. So I mean, similar to All the Colours of the Dark, I suppose. I am a li- bit of a hippie, so I'm a bit predisposed to kind of when stuff gets trippy. I'm like, oh, this is great.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think it's a similar plot-wise in terms of it it's is, it's yeah. a guy losing his mind, yeah. whereas, you know, like All the Colours of the Dark is a girl losing their mind. Um, yeah, I absolutely love it. The visuals, you know, you've got, like, the projector being always switched on by, you know, this unseen person with the black gloves on, and it's like, it's fantastic. It, it, yeah. Every part of that film. Um, again, I was lucky to see this at the cinema. And yeah, it was, it was a fantastic experience, man.
1: Definitely worth checking out his other films too. He, he did one after that called yeah. The Duke of Burgundy. It's a really cool film that Love starts that one. one way and ends up kind of being another kind of story. That's a really yeah. classy, beautiful film that's somewhere between Barbarian and Catelyn and Varga. Um, yeah. and then In Fabric his new one as well was really
0: good I love In Fabric I, I, yeah, what I'm I love about In Fabric but... is that feels very that feels very British Yeah, that feels very much like those amicus yeah. Trigon 70s films you know very much like the Pete Walker Norman Warren who yeah. we mentioned earlier yeah. Um, yeah absolutely loved it and I love again how that kind of just the plot jumps you know mm. from character to character you know the um, yeah absolutely beautiful stuff I, um, really, really I haven't actually this seen one. his first one I, I want to catch his Stiff. first one so that's out on movie at the it's moment. On Mubi, it? It's on movie, Yeah, you
1: one. can watch it on Mubi cool. in the UK, and definitely watch everything that Peter Strickland does and keep an eye on him because he's—he's a really amazing filmmaker. I think he's one of the only really stylish filmmakers in in the modern UK film scene. I'd say, like, he makes super classy, stylish movies that. Yeah. People either give you know, really like marmite. Might.
0: <clears throat> no, have you have you heard about his new one? No. Uh, so he's got one i don't know how far along it is i think again everything got a bit delayed with covid and stuff like that but it's set in the world of like restaurants and like you know cuisine or high cuisine and this kind of stuff so i'm really looking forward to see what he does in that kind of world i imagine it's going to be pretty gross and the sound design on that is going to be a bit stomach chewing yeah
1: yeah (laughs) perfect world (laughs) for a isn't it any kind of classy any kind of classy establishment is the perfect setting for jalaran so
0: that's currently on Arrow Player as well. So if uh, people in the UK want to catch that, that, that's the place to get it. Okay, so then, going obscure. Now, this definitely used to be obscure uh, <laughs> when I first saw it. It's now debatable whether it's obscure because Arrow have put out an amazing release of this film. But I've gone back to 1971 with uh, The Fifth Chord, directed by Luigi Bezzoni. Absolutely love this film. I, I would argue this is the best-looking giallo film ever shot um and that is really just down to and again i'm going to butcher the name the dp for this is uh vittorio storaro so this was the dp he shot behind. a
1: lot of stuff right storaro i know his name
0: yeah 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 so he shot apocalypse now
1: oh okay that's why i know his name right okay
0: yeah the last emperor he worked with um francis ford coppola on a bunch of films i think he also did stuff like tucker um beautiful this is one of those films and it's a it's a bit of a cliche people say this a bit too often but honestly it's true in this thing every frame of this movie could be a painting that you'd you'd print it out and you'd put it up on your wall and you could just stare at it for hours it is one of the most gorgeous films ever it also helps it's got a really solid mystery element running through it which i really enjoyed um there are parts of it where it almost kind of gets stereotypical a bit cliched but that is undercut uh, undercut for me by franco nero who actually gives for me one of his best performances like franco nero you know most people know as django he he did you know a lot of italian cinema he was like
1: in the 60s and
0: 70s yeah in the 60s and 70s he was you know the superstar in this film like his character's like the grizzled journalist who drinks too much, he's always hungover, sleeps around or whatever. But he actually gives like this strange element of like fragility to the character, so you actually give a shit. Um and you know, he 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 goes out, he's drinking and he's sleeping around, but he doesn't actually ever want to hurt anybody and he he feels guilty about it and everything like that. I I love the film. Honestly, guys, um it's it's out on the um Arrow player. You can buy it on uh, Blu-ray. I definitely recommend getting it, you know, at best quality as you can. There are bits where, like in, in most Jalo films, you know, the standout scenes are the kill scenes, right? You know, so, you know, you get the amazing camera movement and the lighting and, you know, grisly stuff happens. That happens in this, but often the most gorgeous scenes are just two people talking mm. and the way that Storaro, like, composes the shot, you know, frame blocks the characters and then lights it, you know, often using reflective surfaces and all of this, uh, Loads of Venetian blind lighting in this in this film as well. It is just gorgeous. And there's so some Tom, amazing set pieces. In have you too. seen this?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good, man. There's there was bits of it I really really loved. I loved. There's a there's a part a woman who's in a wheelchair wakes up at night and hears a noise and then has to investigate it in a house, which is really really great. And I love the end. There's some there's some wides doing the set pieces at the end in the locations that are absolutely amazing. For me, it reminded me of. Like kind of like a Bird of the Crystal Plumage or like Tenebrae. or it was kind of a much more police pr- procedural um, genre than what I'd normally watch. But I really enjoyed it. I thought the kills were cool and the story, like you said, the story stands out, really doesn't it? As being like a much more solid. It it reminded me of the kind of films that I used to watch with my granddad on a Sunday afternoon when I mean obviously it's a bit more of a violent version than what we used to watch at and daytime telly, but. I feel like I could put that film on for people and they wouldn't be as, repulsive as they are with what I normally put on for people so <laughs> it was quite a, quite, a, quite a straight down the middle police movie which was cool I thought but like you said shot amazing with a lot of style and some cool music and some turtlenecks and mustaches
0: yeah <laughs> there's plenty of that there's plenty of yeah like just you know it's a great drinking uh game film as well like every time he wakes up hungover not knowing where he is you take a drink and you'll you end up as drunk as he is so i mean the, actually the, the whole start of the film is like he was he witnessed like the in, inciting incident but he was so drunk that like throughout <laughs> the film it's him gradually remembering it so it's just it's it, again and the way they kind of like just Unfill like, the plot, the mystery elements or whatever. It's so well done. Um, yeah, no, absolutely love it. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Tom, what have you got as your obscure pick?
1: I I really struggled with this one, so I had a few. I was going to do House with a Laugh and Windows by Poopy Avati, but I watched it again and I was like, mm, I'm not quite sure. There was a few other things I considered, but then I ended up settling on Knife and Heart, which mm. I, which is a which is a newer film, it's 2018, it was directed by Jan Gonzalez, haven't seen any of his other films, um, but French guy, French movie, super stylish, and set in a world that you wouldn't necessarily expect a jallo to be set in, so it's, it's, it's a jallo in that there is a masked and gloved killer picking off people and it's a jallo in the lighting and the style of it or whatever. But it's set in the world of gay porn, and it's about a gay porn producer. Um, and the people who are in her movies are getting picked off and they're trying to work out what's going on with it. But it's much less of a police procedural than it is kind of a group of people fearing for their lives and trying to work out what's going on. But there's some amazing music in it. There's some really great set pieces in it. There's some really great acting in it. I was surprised. It was... It was one of the, those ones I was kind of looking for newer Jalo type things and it was recommended on a list. And I was like, oh great, it's a movie, I can watch it now. I wasn't prepared for the amount of gay porn in it, I don't think. <laughs> so perhaps, you know, choose where where, and when you watch it kind of wisely. Don't put it on if uh, <laughs> people are going to like be uncomfortable or whatever, or there's anybody young around. Because it is kind of graphic in the stuff it shows. But yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was a really surprisingly original movie that took the Jalo tropes and put them into this world of kind of bondage and s and and the underground sex scene and stuff that you wouldn't necessarily um, expect it to be in. But you could tell the director really knew the genre well, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I absolutely love Knife and Heart. Um, I saw it a couple of years ago. I think it was at, at the very beginning of lockdown and Mubi were kind of doing a free 30-day thing. So I signed up for it just so I could watch Knife and Heart. Um Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'd actually argue with you, mate. I, I I, think, if anything, it's the perfect setting for this film. Again, going back to the blood and black lace thing, you know, it's a very cutthroat, very bitchy environment. Yeah, that's true. Um, and it's also, you know, like, what I love about it is it, again, going back to stuff like Barbarian is, you know, it plays with representation. What's on screen and what's not on screen. is it? If it happens on screen, is it real or whatever? Yeah. You know, and the producer almost, you know, turns the events of, of the film into her own gay porn film mm. as well. And I, I love that play, um, you know, with, with, you know, different layers of reality in, in the film. Um, haven't rewatched it, uh, but will have to track it down again. Uh, is it, is it still on Mubi?
1: Yeah, it's still on Mubi when I saw it, I think a few months ago, I, I watched it on there. It's definitely worth, definitely worth a watch, especially if you're looking for kind of modern stuff and you've seen all the Peter Strickland films. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's def- definitely worth watching. It's a kind of weird modern pick.
0: So those are our picks. So we'll go on to honorable mentions, so films that didn't quite make the list. Uh, so one of the ones I mentioned earlier was Bava's earlier film from 1963, The Girl Who Knew Too Much, a.k.a. The Evil Eye, which is a bizarre you know title, but there we go. Uh, Plot-wise, this is where I think everybody agrees that the Jallo film started. Shot in stark black and white, so it's very much visually like a throwback to those film noir films that we were talking about earlier. Um, I, I love this film. You know, it's very much kind of cements the, you know, there's a, an everyman character. You know, the, the girl in this who decides, you know, she saw something. Nobody believes her, so she's going to solve this murder that she thinks happens. Um, and you know, yeah drags in john saxon in a very early role you know as as her sidekick and and away they go to try to solve this murder i absolutely love it it's a, it's a fun watch it feels very modern even now you know watching it uh you know really makes use of you know rome and its public spaces uh shot beautifully um you know i i for me the perfect film would be a combination of the girl who knew too much and utilizing the later visuals of Blood and Black Lace. I think I think that would have been an epic combo if they'd managed to do that. Uh, another one, I feel we can't really skip over Argento. We can't do a, a Jallo episode without talking of Argento. Uh, his contribution to the genre is amazing. I think a lot of people argue that Deep Red is the perfect Jallo. I, I dig that one, but my own personal favorite is probably the first of his Jallo films that I saw, which is The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Very Hitchcockian, and... Um, and, and beautiful. Uh, then I'm going to cheat a little bit and talk about it, what what I call the American Jally films. So uh, last episode we talked a bit about Silent Night, Bloody Night, and I made the argument that that is an American Jallo slash proto slasher. Uh, staying on the slasher kick, I'd argue that the very first Friday the Thirteenth is uh, also a Jallo film, American Jallo. So you've got you know the identity of the killer is hidden. Um, you've got the <laughs> psycho funny. sexual the psychosexual element to it. So what I'd encourage people to do is, like, Friday the 13th is quite easy to get hold of. Rewatch it, thinking of it as a a Jallo film, and see. Like, obviously, uh, it's been well documented that, you know, Sean Cunningham was inspired, shall we say, by Bay of Blood, also by Mario Bava, um, and, you know, a lot of people would argue that, yeah, Bay of Blood is either a Jallo or a proto slash. So, yeah, yeah.
1: The, go back. One of the proto slasher's Bay of Blood,
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. so a yeah. fucking
1: brutal in Bay of Blood as
0: well, man. It's awesome. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, I, I love the reveal on Bay of Blood as well. Yeah. Um, and, and another one is very much in the spirit of Barbarian Sound Studio, so a love letter to that, is The Editor. Yes. By the, the Astron 6 guys. Yes. Uh, again... Like I don't know which came first or whether they even saw Barbarian Sound Studio, but it's rather than a sound designer slowly losing his mind while working on a Jalot film, it's an editor losing his mind while working on a Jalot film. Um, with a wooden the... hand,
1: an editor with a wooden yeah. hand losing yeah, his yeah. mind. Yeah. Wonderful film, absolutely spot on. Yeah. Um, every single genre trope is in there, even to the point where... Uh, the dubbing is slightly off. They've just shifted it just far enough at a time that the dubbing's yep. a little bit wrong. There's problems with the sound. Songs cut off very abruptly between scenes, which I love about like classic jallows yep. They do such a wonderful job of sending it up.
0: Yeah, they are. They are clearly such genre fans that you know they they've done their homework and they've just imbued this film with everything they love about that subgenre. So definitely, um, if a you want something J and
1: B and loads of scenes, yep. there's, I mean, it's just. Even the really convoluted plots, like they they, t- they take the plot to the point where it's like ridiculous how convoluted oh, it yeah. is, which is amazing. Yeah. And they keep doing reveal after reveal after reveal. It's just like I think maybe if you haven't started with Jallows and you and you've heard us say a bunch of films, but okay, they sound good. Cool, I'll check them out. Maybe watch some of those first, and then get your hands on the editor by Astron Six, on the, um, yeah. and then just enjoy how amazingly pitch perfect they kind of pastiches of the whole drama. It's such a good film. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, film. for
0: me, it's the Barbarian Town Studio played for laughs yeah. and I'm fully on board with that I absolutely love it I think it. it's the
1: best uh, film they've made I really like the Astron 6 stuff like man borg yeah. was fun Father's yeah. Day was absolutely crazy love, and totally love good. Father's Day but yeah. I I think technically I mean obviously now Steven Costanti has gone on to do like Psycho Goldman and and yeah he's doing a lot of effects stuff on bigger things and so that's awesome that it took them to that place but when they were when they were still doing kind of really underground stuff with just the I think maybe four of them, isn't it? Four or five of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like they honed themselves over like 10 years and made a whole bunch of really great shorts, made a lot of really indie features, a lot of green screen stuff. And then Father's Day was a super crazy slasher thing um, (laughs) about a guy raping dads. (laughs) And then (laughs) when they got to do the editor, they they had gotten so good at filmmaking by that point. They actually... Even though it's a comedy, they made a really, really good, well-made film, you know. It's a shame more people don't know about Jallos well enough to be able to appreciate how good the editor is. It's another one yeah. I've shown to people and they've gone, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, don't you know that's that shot from Tenebrae? You know what I mean? But yeah. people yeah, don't get no, no, no. it. It's only nerds that really understand how good it actually is, I think.
0: <laughs> I would encourage people as well, track down their YouTube channel because some of their shorts are uh, amazing. There's one there called Cool Guys, which is kind of inspired by those like frat boy... You know, summer break, spring break movies. um, That is just, again, like all other films, goes in a direction you would never in a million years Uh, predict. Divorced Dad,
1: too. I think you might be able to watch the whole series of Divorced Dad on the Vimeo now. um, Right, which is kind of uh, about a news. A newscaster whose life has fallen apart while he's uh, doing the show or whatever he's doing—it's
0: really, really good. Okay, dude. So, have you got any honourable mentions for us? Right.
1: So the editor was on there. Tenebrae was on there. Tannibry is probably my favourite. I think Suspiro is my favourite. I generally, but I think Tannibry is my favourite Jello did. But just because. Blade in the darks. A lot. Uh, not Blade in the dark. Uh, a bit of the Crystal Plume is a little bit too straight for me. I really like it. I think it's good, mm. but it's slightly too classy for me. I much prefer Tenebrae <laughs> as, uh, Because of how OTT all the kills are and how ridiculous it is. There's that whole crane shot that goes through a window and sees somebody and goes over the top of the building and then I mean there's some amazing camera work in that. I think it was one of the first jallos I saw and it really blew my mind what the camera was doing. Because I think at the time yeah. I was just learning uh, how to block a scene and where to put a camera to be able to cut. So when I saw that, I was like, what's he doing with the cat? Like, he's, you know, he's going wherever he wants. This is amazing. And I think that really blew my mind. And there's also some amazing, really bright technical, like blood in Tenebrae, especially when it's spraying on a wall at one point. It's just an amazing. Yeah, it's a really amazing film, really great. And then the other one was the one I just mentioned accidentally, which was Barber, Lamberto Barber's A Blade in the Dark, which I absolutely mm. love. It's almost my. Old pick actually, because uh, you know, he's the son of Mario Bava. we've talked about loads. Um, and he did kind of Demons and, and Demons 2, and he did uh, kind of more straight horror stuff. And then he did this really cool Jallo uh, called A Blade in the Dark, which is slightly similar to Baberia actually. It's about to sound as a composer again, working in a remote place to come up with a soundtrack for a film. Um, but that's a really good kind of proto slasher Jallo. Uh, uh, number this, uh, got some really cool kills in it a lot of really good killer POVs in that one, if you're looking to like, find some good killer POVs for inspiration then the Prowler or Rosemary's Keller from the 80s and mm. Blade in the Dark, those two work Um Torso was on there Definitely. Bliss was yeah, on call. there as well Have you seen Bliss, it's not a Jallo but stylistically I kind of feel like
0: Oh, so no, that doesn't ring a bell. What, what year was that? Uh, I don't
1: know, it's 2016, 2018. Oh, okay, so right. Joe Bigos that did VFW almost. Human. I'm with
0: you. Yes, I've seen it, seen it, mate. Sorry, it's such a generic not, title not for what jello, it is.
1: But I almost considered trying to crowbar it into my suggestions because I was just like, <laughs> the style of it, the music of it, the way it shot, how experimental it was, a lot of it was improvised.
0: A lot of the visuals, the visuals borrow from that. Somebody losing their mind, yeah, visual kind of thing. Yeah, I can see that mate. I can it's see set that. set in yeah. its
1: own world. Um, so I, that's that's something that maybe not be a strict Jallo, but definitely something I would recommend watching is Bliss by Joe Bigos. because it's a really cool. Yeah, one. it was the film he made when he got fed up of trying to get money to make films, because he was trying yeah. to. He did, I think he did honest Human, and then he was trying to get money to get something off the ground and he got so pissed off with fucking business people that he just got a bunch of mates, got a bunch of money and just shot this film on 16 I think it was wasn't it? And it's rough and it's gritty and there's only a couple of actors in it and he's throwing blood around everywhere and there's loads of rock bands and uh, all the actors are wearing his clothes from his wardrobe, he just gave him his t-shirts and was like yeah just wear this and all the bands are his mates it's a really cool kind of Underground love letter to film, like fuck you filmmaking, you know, just for the love of, just for the love of it, you know, rather than nice. by committee and for money and with producers and all <laughs> So I like it for that. It's punk.
0: Is that still on Shudder? I, I remember seeing it on think Shudder. Think back it in might the day. still
1: be on Shudder. You can definitely you worth can catching. You can also get know, it yeah. though. You can get it on DVD and Blu-ray release in the in the UK, yeah. and it's yeah, super yeah. cheap. Good. Definitely worth.
0: Right, before we wrap up, I also want to drop a couple of book recommendations. So if you guys want to know more, uh, I would definitely recommend checking out the uh, guidebooks from Troy Howarth. So the, I think there's three volumes so far, So Deadly, So Perverse. Um, it goes through, you know, kind of like the golden period is, is volume one, so I think that's like 61 to 74. Uh, then volume two is like 74 through to like 2013. And then volume three is like stuff not shot in Italy but has clearly been inspired by the, the giallo subgenre definitely worth tracking those books down uh, a slightly more academic text but mentioned the guy earlier so uh, Dr. Michael Coven uh, wrote a book called La Dolce Morte, um, it is amazing, He, uh, it, within the book he kind of explores the themes and the boundaries of the genre um, and really goes into the context of how these films were made but also how they were received so Talking about, they were they were classed as you know like really, I suppose the junky blockbusters of their day, and so they were shown in these cinemas which were basically like courtyards in rural Italy. So you know people would talk over them, you know they they'd be sitting around tables watching these films. And so that kind of influenced how they were made. You know, so every five minutes there'd be a kill or whatever like that. And that was to keep people's attention. And if there wasn't a kill, you'd see, you know, a pair of boobs or something like that to, again, keep drawing the audience back so they'd be chatting, something suspenseful's happening, and then back to having a natter or whatever with, you know, people around the table. So definitely try check out those books, guys. Um, it'll really help, like, you know, further and deepen your your love of the subgenre. Okay, so... That is us on Jallo Films. Is there anybody out there who uh, it is absolutely incensed that we haven't picked their favorite uh, Jallo film? If so, let well, us know in the we comments. We didn't even
1: give the definition of what Jallo means or where it came from. And we both know that information and we forgot to say it, but there we go. Look it up. Look it up. On... Look it up. So what's, I what's think what's it's... a documentary called All the Colors of the Jallo, which is on which yeah. is on Prime as well. It's really well watching.
0: It's on Prime. I think it's also on Arrow Player as well yeah. at, at the moment. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, guys, people should know what what the, the jello <laughs> genre is at this point okay so tom next episode is your pick yes what subgenre are we going to do
1: well, Right, we're, we're just going to progress and we're going to do slashers because i'm writing a slasher i'm shooting a music video next month that is kind of a pov slasher movie for a band so i'm i'm watching a lot which is why i mentioned uh, the prior earlier i'm watching loads of slashers at the moment and i'm writing a slasher so yeah, I think because my head is already into that, I think that would be fun.
0: Good, cool. No, looking forward to it. Okay, guys. So if you have any suggestions about slasher films that we should check out, uh, or alternatively, we'd like to hear you guys about what your favourite um, Jolly films are. Just let us know. And can We're we include... On...
1: Yeah? Can we include franchise, or does it have to be specific film? So you it, can, ins- so can yeah, yeah. I, you can I pick Friday the 13th as one of my picks, or do I have to pick Friday the 13th Part 3?
0: I think lead with a specific film <laughs> and then you could talk about your love of the, the franchise overall.
1: All right, let's do that then.
0: Because otherwise, man, it's just going to be franchises, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> awesome. Okay. So let us know over on Twitter. We're at James and Tom Do. And on Instagram, we are the more fleshed out James and Tom Do Horror. So, guys, please join us next time to see what or who James or Tom will do. <laughs> I like that. That's good.